week we're going to be finishing up our series on prayer. Uh, we're in week four of the title of our message or the title of our series has been Teach Us to Pray. Uh, and uh, we're going to finish it up. We're going to kind of try to wrap it up a little bit as we, as we finish up our, our series. We're going to look at a couple things that are, um, I think, that Jesus also wanted us to understand about prayer and then kind of wrap it all up and kind of put a nice little bow on it. We have been in Luke 11, and in Luke 11, 1 through 13, basically there's a story here where the disciples and Jesus are off praying. They see Jesus praying, and they basically say, wow, I don't pray like that. I want to pray like you. Teach us to pray. And so Jesus basically begins to take them through um, the Lord's Prayer at this point and also through uh, some parables that he gives us to help us understand prayer. But this is not the only time that we see this recorded in Scripture. Jesus also teaches about prayer and the Sermon of the Mount, basically in Matthew 6. And that's where we're going to actually be this morning. Um, you know, there are some, some interesting uh, understandings of this passage. Some people think that, that Jesus just taught more than once about prayer, which is possible. Some people think that Jesus taught about prayer at the Sermon on the Mount, and finally it took the disciples a, a little bit of time before they actually said, explain this a little deeper to us, and that's what Jesus does in Luke. Uh, some people think it's just the same kind of situation, but just described in a slightly different way because Matthew and Luke were obviously different writers. But we're going to see a little bit of difference here. We see the same basic idea of the Lord's Prayer, but Jesus expounds a little bit more, mainly because, in my view, because of the audience that he's speaking to. In Luke, he's speaking directly to his disciples. In Matthew, he's actually speaking to his disciples and a crowd of onlookers. And so what we're going to do this morning as we kind of finish up is as we're learning this thing, we're going to jump into Matthew 6. And if you have your Bibles, that's great. We're going to be there. If not, it's up there on the screen ahead of you. But again, Jesus here is talking about prayer, starting with verse number 5. It says this, When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues when every, where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your father in private. Then your father, who sees everything, boy, that's a, that's a whole series right there, will reward you. When you pray, don't babble on and on as people of other religions do. They think that their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask Him. And then He goes into verse number 9, and He says, pray like this, and we kind of get into the Lord's Prayer. Let's pray. Father, we love You. And Father, as we conclude this this, this series on prayer. Father, I pray that it would just, that you would just tie a bow around all of this. That, Father, that you would just come and that you would just help me to say the things that you desire to be said. That, Father, that I would kind of go away into the background and that your words would be the ones that are heard and spoken. Father, because that's what we need. We desire those things. So help us to do those things. Help us to be put aside so that you can be glorified and seen and we can learn from you. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. 
So Jesus here begins to talk a little bit differently about prayer. And and not differently as in a completely different understanding, but he kind of begins to focus on a couple of things that are a little different. And this morning what we're going to do is we're going to focus on those things and kind of finish it up. Because again, the point of this is is not, so let 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 me stop right there. The point of this is not so that you can leave this place and go, wow, that was great. We just had a wonderful uh, thing about prayer. I can't wait till Christmas comes and then we have Christmas sermons stuff you know that's not the point here the point of this is that so actually you will begin to pray more that you will begin to pray more effectively i don't want you to walk out of here after four weeks and go "Woo, Aaron, that was great i would rather you say oh Aaron, that was horrible but i'm gonna pray more Okay, that's what this is about. This is about us taking what we have learned and actually doing something absolutely crazy in our world today. Apply it. Okay, I want you and I want me to be, and this is going to sound weird here, to be better at prayer. Because what we see in James is the prayer of a righteous man or woman is powerful and effective. It's powerful and effective. So what that means is this. As you look at that understanding, we have all been made righteous, not because of what we have done, but because of what God has done through us. Because of Jesus and his love and his sacrifice, we have all been made righteous. So that means that no matter how unrighteous you feel, when we come to God and we offer ourselves to him, we accept that forgiveness and that love, we have been made righteous for him. So with that meaning, if you have accepted Jesus, you are righteous before God. So the question is, at that point, is are your prayers powerful and effective? And if they're not, why not? Because James doesn't say they're powerful and effective if blah, 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 blah. He says the prayers of a righteous man are powerful and effective. So why aren't our prayers powerful and effective? That's what I want us to change. That's what I want to see happen. And you can say, well, my prayers are powerful and effective. And if you say that, I'm like, sweet. And I also say they can get more. They can be more powerful. They can be more effective. There isn't a cap with God. God doesn't look at it and go, okay, you've reached it. Congratulations. Now you get a plaque. He says, you can continue to grow. You can continue to grow in these areas. And so as we conclude this series... I want us to focus on those things. I want us to look at these things so we understand a little bit more about a vital part of our relationship with Jesus. So let's start here with Matthew, the sixth chapter. Excuse me, the sixth chapter. The first thing I want to focus on is this. When we pray, we pray to be heard by God, not to be seen by man. Look at verse number five and six. It says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on the street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that's all the reward they're ever going to get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private. Then your father who sees everything will reward you. I remember when I was younger and younger to me can, can mean anything from when I was a child to possibly about three minutes ago. Okay, so we all understand that. And I was, I, I was in a situation where I was, I was kind of in the youth group and I was kind of asked to kind of lead a small group kind of a thing. And I was really, really nervous and I was really, really excited. And then the youth pastor looked at me and said, Aaron, will you pray? And I'm sitting there with all these kids, you know, 
who I had been told by the youth pastor had, for some strange reason, had looked up to me. And I, who don't usually have an issue with speaking in front of people, got a little bit of cold feet, got a little nervous, and I began to pray. And my prayer kind of sounded a little flowery. When I was a kid, our church had banners. Remember the banners? And they had things on them like Jehovah Jireh. Remember those things? And, 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 and all those things. And, and, and I remember starting to pray. And I literally, and I'm, I kind of feel silly saying this, but you guys, you already know I'm kind of weird, so this is all good. But I began to pray, and I literally went, Oh, dear Heavenly Father in heaven, Jehovah Jireh. And John is only going to be the only person that, that laughs at this. But I said, Who we enjoy your Shekinah glory. And I went on. And I mean, I gave the most beautiful prayer you have ever heard in your life. And I said, in our Father's name, I mean, just to hold that, amen. And I opened my eyes and every single kid's looking at me like, <laughs> youth pastor's looking at me like, wow, that's great. You're never going to pray in public again, you know. And I was convinced, and I was like, Wow. That, that was all right. You know, I, you know, next time I'll even dive into the Greek and Hebrew. You know, I mean, this is great. You know, kind of a thing. And, and I walked away going, man, I know how to pray. And my youth pastor kind of grabbed me and, and he, he, he said, Aaron, later on, he said, what, what was that? I said, what? What did I, what, did, I, what, was, did, I, did I not do some theological thing correctly? And he goes, Aaron, what was that? I said, why? What was, what was the problem? He said, Aaron. He said, who are you praying to? I said, what do you mean who am I praying to? I'm praying to God, you know, Jehovah, you know, the Yahweh. I mean, you know, I maybe not, shouldn't even mention his name kind of a thing. You know, this is serious business. He goes, Aaron, no, you weren't. I said, what do you mean? I was praying to God. He said, no, you were kind of praying to yourself so that everyone else could see how spiritual you were. And you didn't pray to God. And I remember at that moment going, ah. Because really what my heart was in that moment, what my desire was from that moment, was for everybody else to look at me and go, wow. That guy, he's on top of it. He has a close relationship with Jesus. And really it showed my immaturity, not my maturity. Really it showed my my insecurity with who I was. You know what's interesting? And I know I keep going back to this, but I think it's very important that we see this. Never in his life have, has Easton ever walked up to me and said these words, Oh, my gracious, awesome, amazing Father, that supplieth all my needeth. He's four, you know. Who takes care of me? I shall thou call you supreme father of all things. Can I have a cookie? You know what my son does? He calls me daddy. He says, dad. And you know what? To me, that's more beautiful. Because he's not trying to impress anybody. He just comes to his dad. 
you know, sometimes, folks, we have to be aware that it's not about impressing each other. Because usually in my life, and I'll only speak for me here, the time I'm trying to impress you the most is the time I'm trying to hide the most. Because I don't want you to know my dirty laundry. I don't want you to know that I've got some issues. It's interesting here that Jesus uses a word, and it's hypocrite. A play actor. Someone who puts on a face, acts one way when really something else is going on. It's very interesting that Jesus uses this word. And what's interesting about this idea of praying on the street corner is that was not something that was necessarily common during Jesus' day. They would either pray in the synagogue or they could pray out of the synagogue. And they had a special time of prayer, which was 9 a.m., noon, and 3 p.m. And what they would have to do to do this is literally, you have to understand where Jesus is coming from here. They would literally have to plan their day to be on the street corner at that time to see, so everybody could see them praying. Okay? This is a little deeper than just walking at the street corner any time of day. I just happen to be here and now I'm going to pray and show everybody how awesome I am. This was a premeditated thing. It was this idea that I am going to go and basically show off. And that's what Jesus is having a problem with here. He's having a problem with this idea that I'm going to do this not to honor God, not so that God can hear me, but so that man can hear me, so that I can be told how awesome and amazing I am. Remember the story Jesus tells about the tax collector and the Pharisee? And he says the Pharisee gets up and he begins to pray, and he literally prays. This is crazy that somebody would do this, but at the same time it isn't. He says, God, thank you for making me so wonderful, basically. In fact, thank you that I am not this horrible tax collector right here. It's like I see that picture and I want to see the tax collector like looking over at him like, you know, I can hear you. I'm right here. And then the tax collector, it says he, he beats his chest and he says, Father, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus says, which one of these men do you think goes away justified? Basically this, which one of these men has a more powerful and effective prayer? Not the one who supposedly had all their stuff together. But the one who is willing to have a need and willing to understand. And willing to understand who he was praying to. I had a friend of mine once in college. We asked him to pray. And, and this guy was a, was, was a good guy, but it sometimes could be a little bit of a, you kind of want to kick him a little bit, if, you know. And we said, hey, hey, will you pray? And he said, sure. And so he, you know, we were in a corporate setting. Will you pray? Sure. And he did this. Amen. That was great, you know. Um, we were kind of hoping you'd pray out loud, and his response was this, I wasn't talking to you. Now, of course, in that moment, he had some good truth. Now, you wanted to kick him, you know, but he did have some truth. I'm not talking to you. And who are we really talking to? Jesus here is, is hoping, helping us to understand where the focus of our prayers need to be. It's on him where his desire for us to focus is on him, not on each other. Now listen, let me explain something here. Jesus is not condemning public prayer. 
okay? He's not, we get together here on Tuesday nights, and we pray out loud, okay? Jesus is not saying that is wrong or not good. He's basically saying, you need to make sure you focus on who you're praying to, because you are praying to someone. You are, as I said earlier, you are worshiping someone. The question becomes, who are you worshiping? Who are you focusing in on? And Jesus here is talking about that. He's not even saying that in our prayer life that we need to run away from everybody to pray. He's really talking about focus. I don't know about you. I'm kind of one of these people that that I have a hard time at times focusing. And so I need to get away at times to pray because the things of the world and the things of life get really, really busy in my world. And so Jesus here is not saying, you know, listen, I, I met somebody one time and they were like, they were like, I have a prayer closet. And I'm like, oh, that's great. No, they, literally, I have a prayer closet. Like, literally? Yeah. Yeah. They built it into their home. It was like their closet with all their clothes. And then they had this little room and it was their prayer closet. And I said, oh, that's, that's great. And they said, yeah, that's where I pray. I said, is that the only place you pray? Yes, that's the only place I pray. I said, how sad is that? Jesus here is not talking about having a certain place that you have to go to pray. We can pray all times. Paul says that, pray without ceasing. And no one lives in their prayer closet. He's talking about getting away so that you can be focused in on Jesus. Because sometimes, quite honestly, that's hard. And it helps us to focus in on him. Not on the world, not on the people that are in this world. Next, I want to talk about God isn't impressed by the length or eloquence of our prayers, but by our hearts. Look at verse 7 and 8. When you pray, don't babble on and on as people of other religions do. They think that prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them. Don't be like them. It's interesting here because, you know, we, we tend to do that type of thing all the time. We tend to basically say, it, it's almost like we have this idea that it, there's these magic words. And if we can just say the magic words, then God will do what we've asked him to do. It's almost like there's this, this plan or this formula. And if we take X, you know, I'm horrible at math. X2 plus 7B, Z, W, X, Y, um, A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And we put all that together. Then God will somehow hear our prayers more and go, Oh, you said the magic word. Kapoof. It's interesting that we see this in Scripture. Remember the, uh, and I, I, I and where, and you're just going to have to forgive me. I can't remember if it's Elijah or Elisha. And I'm sure you'll tell me very soon. And he has the, the battle with the prophets of Baal. Remember that? Elijah. Elijah? Okay. I, even as a kid, I got those messed up. I would always say the wrong one. And so he's there and he says, listen, we're going to have this battle, basically, to see who's God. And so basically he says, build an altar kill the animal, put it on the altar, and then pray, and whoever's God can basically consume the sacrifice. Obviously, that's God. And so the prophets of Baal begin this process of calling out to Baal, and they call out all day long and nothing. They even begin to cut themselves. They begin to harm themselves physically to try to get Baal's attention. And Jesus is basically saying, hey, listen, listen, don't babble on like they do. 
It's like Jesus is saying this, because this is something my wife tells me a lot. Aaron, get to the point. Get to the point. And I'm like, yeah, but don't, wouldn't you rather hear all the, the, the silly details that don't mean anything? And she's like, no, I'd rather just, you know, give me the headline. What happened? I think sometimes God is that way too. And the reason I think God is that way is not because God doesn't want to hear the details. I think it's a trust thing with us. I think that we think that if we can say the right things in the right way, then God will do what we've asked him to do. If we just babble on long enough, then basically God will say, okay, okay, you finally did it. You found the magic formula. You found the right words. You found the pass key. Bam, done. How sad is that? That we think that we can manipulate God. That we think that if we just say the right thing, if we go on long enough, then God will go, okay, you figured it out. That's, listen, that is not a good father. Okay? Because here's the deal. If my son or if your children or your grandchildren came to you, or maybe you don't have kids, you will one day probably, and came to you and said, Daddy, yes, son, I want to go play in the street. Okay. Why? Because there's cars out there. And I think it would be fun to try to dodge them, East in your four. I know, I'm fast. And I say, son, absolutely not. But dad, don't you understand? There are red cars out there. Yes, son, I understand. But no. But dad, don't you understand? There are trucks out there. Yes, yes, I know. But dad, don't you understand? There are semis out there. Semis, red cars, trucks. And all of a sudden I go, oh, absolutely. Of course you can go play in the street. Then we go, ha, 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 that's silly. That's kind of what we do with God. God says no, or God will say yes. Sometimes that's the scarier one. And all of a sudden we go, oh, we don't like that answer. And so we have to pray some more to get God to figure out what we want done and how we want it done and when we want it done. And then if we just follow the plan and follow the, the, the steps, blah, 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 then all of a sudden God will do it. And we blab on and on and on and on. You know what's interesting about the Lord's Prayer? It's extremely short. I mean, I want you to think about this for a second. Now, now, I'm not saying we shouldn't pray for a long time. There's nothing wrong with that. But I think what Jesus here is saying is when you pray, actually have some substance. Actually have, you're actually saying something. Because here's the thing, in about six or seven lines, Jesus is unbelievably concise, but unbelievably profound in his prayer to his Father. Listen, if you think God is impressed by your length of prayer or your eloquence of prayer, I, I mean this with all the love I can muster, I don't know if you really know the Father. Now, that doesn't mean you can't know him better or that we all can't know him better. But I don't know if you really understand his love for us. I don't know if we really understand how much, listen to me, if you hear this, how much he desires you. If you think that, oh, God will listen when I follow this 
these amount of steps. Listen, let me explain something. That's not love. In the understanding of love, that is conditional. That is, God will hear me and hear my prayers and love me if I conditionally do A, B, C, and D. That's not love. I don't look at my child, you don't look at your children, and say, I will respond to you when you do it the proper way. I love to hear stories about individuals who are in moments of of unbelievable um, conflict and unbelievable situations that are just like, oh my goodness. And what do they do? They say, Jesus, and things happen. They call out to God and things happen. They don't have a plan. They don't have a system. They don't have a way. They just call out to Jesus. And as a good father would do, he automatically responds. Peter, when he's sinking in the water, does not say, Oh, heavenly father, oh, Jesus, mighty one of Israel, saving us, Emmanuel. By that time, he had been under the water. He just says, Jesus, save me. Jesus. And I love that the scripture says, and Jesus was right there. Right there. Don't allow yourself to fall into the trap because it's a trap that not just affects your life, it affects how you see God's love. And we don't want to miss that. The final thing, as we kind of put this all to bed. Number three, since God already knows, why should we pray? Look at verse 8b. It says, he finishes, you know, don't be like them. He says, for your father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. So here's the idea. Here's the thought. So why pray? God knows everything. God knows what you need. God knows the situation. That's why God doesn't necessarily need you to be wordy. You can be pretty obvious and pretty quick because God knows what you need. So then my thought as a logical person is, why should I pray? Because this is big. This is important to our walk with Jesus. So why is it important? Why should we pray? I think there's three things I want to focus in on this morning that will help us. First, prayer expresses our faith and trust in God. I love to go to people and ask them things when I know they are totally capable of doing the job. Okay? If you came to me and, 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 and I've been living with the Hawks and it's been amazing and awesome and loud and I love you. Um, no, I'm teasing. It, it, well, it has been loud, but it's been awesome and I appreciate it. Anyway, and, and Thielen has, and, and Reagan, has, I've seen this, they've had this, I think, I think Thielen has, but no Reagan has, has had this horrible, terrible thing that they've had to do. Math homework. Oh. Now you may say, I love math. And to you I'd say, we will pray for you later. I'm horrible at math. It would make absolutely no sense for Reagan to come to me and say, Aaron, yes, Reagan, will you help me with my math homework? Because I am totally not capable. I mean, you start anything more than like something that is two numbers with a plus, a minus, a divide, or a multiplication, and an equal thing. Anything more than that? With If you put, why are there letters in math? It's like saying, hey, hey, language is beautiful. Language is awesome. English is awesome, which I like. And it's like, so we'll steal some of the great things about that and try to fool people to see, see math is good too. No. 
It'd be silly because I don't have a clue when it comes to math. I don't have a clue when it comes to those things. But you know what I have seen her do? She goes to her dad because her dad is good at math. She is confident in that. Why? She trusts that he has the ability to do and meet the need that she has. When we go to God in prayer, what we are basically doing is saying this, God, I am not capable of handling this on my own, and I trust you and have faith that you do. And that's awesome. That is a wonderful place to be. You know, I've heard people say, I don't like Christianity. Why? It's a crutch. Absolutely it is. Because I can't do this on my own. And I have no problem telling people that. When I am left to my own devices... Bad things happen. Not good things happen. I need Jesus. I need him desperately. And I'm cool with that. And prayer to me is a way to express that need. It is expressing that trust. It's expressing that faith that says, I know, Jesus, you can make a difference in this situation. He already knows. But we get to express that to him. We get to tell him that. And that's a good thing. That's important to understand. Next, the next thing. Prayer creates deeper connection and relationship with God. Prayer keeps, creates deeper connection and relationship with God. You come to me and you say, Aaron, yes, I, I, I have the situation. Yes, sir, what can I help you with? I, I, I would like to get married. Oh, that's wonderful. No problem. You want to get married. Okay, great. So, 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 so what are you going to do? Well, I've met this girl. Oh, that's wonderful. Very, very good. She's great. Everything's great. Okay, what should I do? And you ask me that question. Here's what I tell you. Spend time with her. Call her. Text her. Go out for dinner. Go to a park. Talk. Learn each other. Know each other. Spend time together. Prayer is a wonderful opportunity for us to let that relationship with Jesus deepen and get more intimate and more special. And it happens when we spend time. Now, you ever, you ever seen this? And this drives me absolutely crazy, okay? You'll go out, and Emily and I will we'll go out to maybe a, a nicer restaurant, okay? And we'll be sitting there, and we'll be talking and having a lovely time, and, 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 and I'll look over. And there's a guy and a gal sitting there, and here's what they're doing. The waiter will come. Uh huh. Their thumbs still moving, you know. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh huh. I want to go up to them and ask them this question. I haven't because I'm, I'm not. I'm not going to do that. But I said, did you guys actually feel like you spent time together today? You know, that's one of the reasons I think that Jesus here talks about getting away. Having that focus. Because, quite honestly, time where you're distracted isn't usually really great time with that person. It just isn't. When, 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 I mean, when there's a time, and I try real hard to do this, where if Emily comes to me and says, I need to talk to you, everything goes away. Okay? If you call me when that's happening, I will not answer your phone call. Okay? Because right then, right now, my focus is on her. My focus is on her because I value her and I's relationship. 
Prayer is allowing that to take place. Prayer is focusing in on that in that moment and saying, right now, Father, I want to focus in on you because I want this time to build our relationship and make it closer and let that connection be stronger. Prayer does that. Prayer is invaluable when it comes to that. There is a connection that takes place. There's something special about looking into somebody's eyes and having a conversation where nothing else matters. And that's what Father wants to do with us. There's been times in my life where Easton has been kind of going nuts and he's running, he's excited. And, and, and there's literally times where I've taken him and I've sat him down and I've taken his head and I've put his head in my hands and I've said, son, I need you to look at me right now. That's what prayer is with Jesus. Not in a mean way. No, he wants our full, undivided attention. And I tell you what, when I look into my son's eyes, and let me tell you, I'm not the greatest dad in the world, but I will look at him and I will tell him these words. Easton, daddy is proud of you. Daddy loves you. And you are awesome. You, I tell him, you are my favorite Easton in the whole wide world. And you go, oh, well, that's great. You know what? Do you realize how much more your heavenly father at times wants to grab you lovingly by the head, pull you close and tell you similar words? But we don't let that happen because we're too busy. That's what prayer is, guys. Not just you communicating to God, but God desperately wanting to communicate with you, to tell you who you are, to tell you how much he loves you, to tell you how special you are, how proud he is of you. Let him do it. Let him do it. And the final thing, prayer involves us in activities with eternal importance. Prayer involves us with activities with eternal importance. I believe very, very strongly that God hears our prayers and responds to them. And that changes things. It doesn't, listen, it doesn't just change the stuff that we see in the natural. It affects the supernatural. Things change. People pray and things change. Happen. I love it in their stories where, where Jesus, before he does this amazing miracle, what's he do? He prays. He says, Father, help me to do this. Father, so they may see you in me. So they may know that you have sent me. So basically, you may be glorified, do this. And all of a sudden, things happen. And they're not things that are normal. They're not things that you look at and go, oh, that's great. Yeah, yeah, how was your day? Oh, fine, Lazarus just got raised from the dead. No big deal, you know. They're supernatural things. You realize that God desires for you to be a part of that? That there is going to be times where God is going to place something in your heart that he wants you to pray for to literally affect eternity and affect the supernatural. Yeah, there's times where we're going to say, God, will you please help so-and-so on their test? Or will you help so-and-so this and that? And those seem kind of boring, but they're huge in the heavenlies. And God wants to use you in that. 
God desires to use you. I love to hear these stories about people that have been woken up in the middle of the night and they begin, and God says, I want you to pray for this individual. And they begin to pray and they begin to call out to God for that individual. And sometimes they find out what happened. Sometimes they don't. But what I've always found is something supernatural breaks in that moment. I love that God uses us that way. Listen, and you go, whoa, 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 but, 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 no, 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 buts. God wants to use you in that way. God wants to unleash some stuff because of your prayers. Your prayers. Not your wife's prayers, not your husband's prayers, not your kids' prayers, not your grandparents' prayers, not my prayers. Your prayers. He wants to do that. I mean, Jesus said, you're going to do greater things than I did. Is that because we're great? No, it's because of the power of what God wants to do through us. And one of the ways that that is challenged, and, 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 and not challenged, but, but channeled, excuse me, is through prayer. Why do you think Nathan and Steve stand over here? It's not so you can look at them and go, oh, don't they look nice today? It's because we believe that when we pray... Things happen and things change. And listen, if you don't believe that, how much time do you got? Because I got the whole scriptures and I got people here that can tell you that that's not the case. That God responds to the cries of his people. Now remember, that could be yes, it could be no, it could be maybe later. But he still responds. He looks at Moses and he says, I have heard the cries of my people. he brings him out. Now, does he do it? Probably when some of them wanted to? No, probably not. But in the right moment, with the right man, in the right situation, God responds to the cries of his people. And he still does. He still does. Listen, I don't know about you, but, but I'm, I'm all for some supernatural stuff breaking loose in this place. Okay? Nothing freaky, nothing weird, nothing... But like, seriously, people blind being able to see. That shouldn't be freaky. That shouldn't be like, that should be normal. Sorry, it should. And when we pray, those things can happen. God can use doctors. He can use a supernatural touch. We leave that to God, but God still responds. I mean, we prayed just a couple weeks ago, uh, and I'm going to say their name wrong. The, the Hegels? Hugels. I, I knew it. Hugels. That, w- that they would get their visa. Guess what? They did. And you could say, oh, well, they would have gotten that anyway. Really? Are we sure of that? God used our prayers, folks. God responded to not just our prayers, but people all around the world that was praying for that. And guess what's going to happen? They're going to go. They're going to make a difference. People are going to be in the kingdom. And they're going to walk up to you one day in eternity and say, Hi, you don't know me. And we're going to go, Okay, good to see you. Hi. Well, you know how you prayed for those people that needed their visas? Yeah, I I, I think I remember that. Yeah, yeah, we we, we did that. He said, Well, guess what? I'm here because of that. And we're going to celebrate, folks. Because we don't have, we don't know half of it. We don't know half of what our prayers do. And I promise you this, if we knew a little bit more, it would be a lot easier to be like Paul and pray without ceasing. I believe that our prayers matter. 
I believe that our prayers are important. I believe that, as James said, the righteous prayer, the prayers of a righteous man are powerful and effective. What's effective mean? It means it affects the situation. I think it's important. I think as we're driving down the road and we come up on an accident, our job is not to slow down and watch. Our, does, our job at that moment is to pray. Our job at that moment is to lift those people up. Father, right now, God, I don't know if anybody's hurt, but right now I pray for healing if they are. Father, I pray that, that men and women and children that were in this accident that should no longer be here would be raised up in the name of Jesus. I believe God can do that. And I believe God places us in positions to affect the situation through our prayers our actions. And I think it's important. So that's why we pray. And there's, listen, there's lots of different reasons. We could be here till dinner tonight. But those were three I felt like the Lord was saying, make sure you focus on these. If the worship team would please come up, we're going to close. But again, as we do this, I want to talk to you. Remember, I, I want us to remember what the point of this is. And um, some of you, you get the notes and, 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 and so on and so forth, and you fill those in. If, if, forever, if you're ever gone and, 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 and we're doing a series or something and you need to know what you missed, please let me know. I, I have the notes. I send them to Linda. I can send you an email or we'll get you a copy or whatever. The reason I do that is not to try to keep you awake and not so basically you have something to do while I, you know, talk. It's so that you can use those things. It's so that you can take those things and actually apply them at home. And, and it, it, listen, it is not because I am some profound person that you're going to go, oh, but I want them to be tools for you so that you don't just come and be a hearer of the word, you become a doer of the word. We are so good at being hearers of the word, and we are sometimes not so good at being doers. I want to give you a tool, okay? We're not trying to waste paper. We're wanting to give you something that you can have. And because sometimes what happens is sometimes I'll share something and you'll go, oh, that's great. I'm not really there right now. And in six months, you, may, you, you might be. And if you keep that stuff, you can go back. And you can allow that to help you and allow you to change. But the bottom line is this. When it all boils down to what the whole point of all this really was is I want our prayers to be powerful and effective. Powerful and effective. Now, if, if, if that's something you want, then, then there's, there, is, there is a slight requirement. There is a slight requirement. And James says, the prayers of a righteous man are powerful and effective. Now, I don't do this every week. But I just felt like this week, and we'll see what happens. I just felt like this week, as we conclude this series on prayer, that there were some individuals who may be here that would look at me and say, Aaron, I, I get you. I hear you. I, I want to have effective prayers. I, I want to have powerful prayers. But quite honestly, because I haven't accepted the love and the forgiveness of Jesus, 
in God's eyes, I'm not righteous. And if that's you, you are in completely good company because that has been all of us. We have all been there. We have all been, and some of us may still be, in a place where we have tried our best to be good enough, and it isn't good enough. The standard is perfection because God is that holy. And so in that, you would go, oh, man, we have no chance. We have no hope. And you're right. We didn't. And then Jesus came. And he came. And he made a way where there was no way. Because he loves you so much. Because he desires you so much. Because he wants you to be in his family so much that he gave everything. He gave everything. So that once again, we could be righteous in the eyes of of his father. So that we could pray. So that we could say, Father, he made a way. But we have to accept that. We have to be willing to acknowledge our need. And I just, as I was praying this week, and as I was finishing all this, putting it all together, I just felt like today was one of those days where the, the offer needed to be extended where we say, you know, God loves you. God has a plan for you. And his plan for you is good and amazing. And all you have to do is accept that. Believe in your heart. Confess with your mouth. That's it. And then you will be made righteous. Not because of you, but because of him. And when that happens, everything changes. You're a new creation. All the old stuff passed away. It's gone. And everything is new. And maybe there's a group of people that say, you know, I did that one time, but it's been a long time. And my life isn't really, the fruit is not mirroring that experience. You know what? You get to come home if you want. Remember, the prodigal son was the son first. Then he left. Then he came home. It's okay. And what's so beautiful about that story is the father sees him a long way off. He runs to his son. He wraps his arms around him. He doesn't judge him. He doesn't say, how could you? He doesn't say, why did you do that? He says these words, my son that was dead is alive again. Let's celebrate. You know who has the problem? The immature brother. But the father welcomes him home. So here's the deal. If you fall into either one of those camps and you want things to change this morning, they can. There's not a magic formula. God's not going to take all the stuff in your life that's not so pleasant in this moment and make it all go away. Life's still going to be hard at times. But you get Jesus to walk with you through everything and love you and hold you in the head and say, I love you and I'm proud of you and you can do it with my help. So here's what we're going to do. We're going we're gonna to go quick. I know I'm kind of running a little short on time, but I think this is important. I'm just going to offer that really quickly. And, and I don't know, I, listen, I just want there to be 
of freedom in this place. I want there to be a love in this place that welcomes people home. Okay? Because we're, we've all been there. And so I'm just going to ask really quickly, if there's anybody that falls into those one of those two camps, can you just raise your hand? If not, that's okay. We'll move on. But I wanted to give you an opportunity. Anybody? All right. Father, we love you. And Father, right now, we desire to have prayers that are powerful and effective. We desire for our prayer life to change. We want to be like the disciples. No matter where our prayer life is, we want to pray more like you, Jesus. We want our lives to be transformed by the power of your word and the power of prayer. We want there to be life change that takes place when we spend time with you. Father, you know what we need before we even ask it, but we still come to you to experience you, to be involved in what you're doing. We don't need to babble on. We don't need to say the right things. We need to focus in on you and know that you're a good father. You hear our prayers and you will respond. You answer every prayer. Every prayer you answer. Because you love us. Because you're a good dad. And so, Father, let this time be a time where our prayer lives change. Where they become more like the prayer life of your son. And in that, not only are our lives transformed, but every life we touch, every life we pray for, every individual we come in contact with, that, Father, their lives would be supernaturally affected because our prayers are powerful and effective. Every single one of us. So help us, Father. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name.